This is Mary Celeste Bell. Welcome to the Blackberry Podcast, where we'll dive into stories and knowledge of the incredible people that are part of the Blackberry story. You'll hear from longtime friends, amazing visiting personalities, and our own inspired team members. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Holly Williams, musician, entrepreneur, daughter of Hank Williams Jr., and most importantly, a woman who I admire for her creativity, passion, and love of family, as well as her honesty and approachability. You'll hear those wonderful qualities in our conversation. It's so good to be with you in this dreamy home on this dreamy day. I am so excited that we get to just catch up, and there's so many amazing parts of your story and you have so many different things going on. Mother of three, you're opening White's Mercantile locations from coast to coast, literally. Still singing and writing music, your store H. Audrey Boutique in Nashville. You're running your Leapers Fork property. How do you find the time? (laughs) That sounds overwhelming. Well, you know, just like you've learned through, through running this amazing place, it's all about finding the right people, um, most importantly in the beginning, and then just delegating out. You know, one time I was reading this this great article from the the original Mr. J.C. Penney, and he was saying that his business couldn't grow until he was comfortable with someone else doing things that he couldn't do. And anyway, with all of it, it's just all about that nerdy time management. And, you know, we're never, we're never all fully where we want to be. I think, you know, as moms being present with our kids is a crisis for working moms and non-working moms just all across the board for everyone but I've got good people my mama is my accountant and I tell everyone if she was not the accountant and she did not just kind of you know be there she's there for me every day and she has been she's been such a crucial part of all this growth so you just figure it out Well, I love your mom and have loved getting to know her over the years. I love watching her with you, with your children. What is one of the most important lessons your mom has taught you? I think definitely, um, really just, again, she she was so present. And it wasn't really anything that she spoke to me about. We didn't grow up with her telling me these things. But, you know, when you're a child, you're just soaking in everything around you like a sponge, whether it's you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And now being a mom, looking back on how she did it, because she was a single mom, my, my dad and her split when we were three. And she was just very available for us, which now as a working mom is is hard for me, because I'm like, I, I was the kid that if I said, Mom, can we play Panopoly? Or can we go to the backyard and play catch? She was there and gave me such a safety net. So that's something that I'm always trying to find the balance with. And and really just, as you know, she's the most gentle soul and such a kind-hearted woman and a true, you know, Southern belle. And I think that's why people come to the South for the hospitality, you know, again, something they experience here at Blackberry Farm. Just a gentle, warm soul. And she taught me a lot about the important things in life and not getting your panties in the water for the little things. So this is something that I struggle with a lot myself is the balance Mm -hmm. of mothering, which to me, I think is really the most important job a woman can have if, if that's in the cards for them. Mm -hmm. But I also really, really, really love what I'm doing Mm -hmm. at Blackberry Farm, Blackberry Mountain. And it's so energizing and fulfilling and Mm -hmm. rewarding. And, and 
it's just really important to me. Right. I think what I struggle with is having that margin. Mm -hmm. My mom was a single mom also. She's an artist. But I felt like she had a lot more margin Mm -hmm. for us to need her, but didn't have to kind of calculate it into these tiny little segments. Right, right. How are you managing that? Because you have three small children and they really need attention. Right. Not just from you, but they for their daily needs. You right. know, my kids oh, yeah. are older right. and they have different needs. Right, right, But right. how are you balancing? Do you just kind of say, okay, I'm not looking at my phone for the next five hours? Or do you, just to have that margin? Right. Well, I think for me, one, one very important key here is my husband and I are both self-employed. So first of all, if he was leaving at eight o'clock and coming home at six, then I would be there really running everything, which there would be no way that I could do this if I had like someone who was working a, a, a normal corporate job. So he's an artist, also an amazing painter, and he's a musician doing session work, writing, producing, has a studio at the house. So he's able to work with me on a daily basis, which is one of the only ways that I'm able to do this. And my mother lives a mile down the street. We did have a full-time nanny for the last six months. In December, I knew that we were opening five stores in the spring, and we went ahead and went full-time, and she was amazing. And actually, yesterday, we decided to to, to scale it back again um, just to really get rid of full-time, just because they're also at the ages where they can do a lot with us and travel with us. It's very challenging because they're two, three, and four, so nap times and craziness, but you know, my mom travels or the lady that kept us some when we were little actually is still, she's with me a lot in the week, probably 20 or 25 hours. So we can make it work with what I'm doing. I brought on a business partner last July that kind of changed everything and was, you know, she was able to fulfill some of this in ways that I, I, I would never have been able to open this many stores without someone else on the daily doing everything with me because it was humanly impossible for one person. So pretty quickly it's going, you know, you book these flights for these employees. I'm handling this. You're looking at, you know, paid time off this week. I'm dealing with insurance. We're just dividing and conquering every day. And I think whether you're a working mom or not, I think that the divide and conquer is just something that we all try to figure out on a daily basis. And I've also tried to stop doing anything that I don't have to do. Meaning I was listening to this great female speaker out of Nashville. And she said that just something like Instacart, which is the Insta grocery delivery, um, she started using Instacart and that saved her three more hours a week with her kids. And anything like that now I'm doing, if I need to run to Target, I'm usually getting it on Amazon Prime. Um, If it's Instacart, like it sounds so minuscule, but those little things, if I am gone for a whole work day and I can come back and be like, we have groceries here. Um, but with their ages too, I'm, I'm looking forward to a summer of lots of zoos, lots of hanging out. And for what I do, I need about three to four hours focused per day. And I'm able to get that now between Chris and I's schedule and kind of dropping in help. But as you know, it's a lot of mental capacity of logistics. I mean, we figure it out, but it's like, it's challenging for anyone, whether you have one, two, three. Um, yesterday, we had one hour where my, my two-year-old who is in Nashville, because he would be ruining Blackberry Farm and we would owe you millions. He stayed back at home with someone who helps us with babysitting. And there was, 
I made a mistake of a one hour window and my friend calls me. She's like, Sunday school's over and there is no one here to get your child. So I called my best friend from third grade. I'm like, can you go get my child? So nothing is ever executed perfectly. You know, we all we all have those moments. And I have to say, for me, it's easier when I'm with all my people, Mm -hmm. because when there's one that's not fully when I'm working on the logistics of the people that are with me and people in a different place, yes. it makes it more complicated. No, I agree with you. I mean, I think sometimes I get more focused work done if, if we if we go to the beach and I bring someone to help out or my mom's there or wherever. If, if, you know, probably like you, I can do a lot of work on the laptop. And it's almost easier when we're all together. And that's really, I felt like that many days. And I was like, this is more complicated to figure out what to do with three kids for someone else versus me just going... I'm going to go to the zoo for two hours, then I'm coming home, putting them down for nap, and then I'm going to work for, you right. know. Well, you seem to be <laughs> juggling it all very beautifully, and it's it's a, it's a very apparent that you love being a mother. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I remember you telling me here at Blackberry that you were ready <laughs> just exactly. to be a mom. And, well, then I remember um, after my first, I was like, Mary Celeste, I'm planning on another probably next March, and then I think I'll follow up like the spring of the next year, you're like, yeah, I'd like to hear about that in a few years. It doesn't really work like that. And then, you know. <laughs> it worked. Mm-hmm. You got it on your time schedule. And I like what you said about your mom's margin for you, because I think that's what I felt as a child. And I know you and I and other mothers worry in this generation, are our children going to, you know, feel like we had that for them and we had emotional capacity to deal with them along with all the other stuff we're, we're dealing with. So speaking of mothering, Obviously, it's important to me, and I know it's important to you, so I've got a lot of questions about that. Mm-hmm. But what do you think the most important thing is about mothering? If you could nail, so, kind of boil it down to, like, one most important message. I mean, I think for me, the most important thing, because this is, I grew up in um, pretty incredible stability. For being a single mom, for having a dad who's superstar Hank Jr., on tour all the time. I grew up in a home of peace, um, lots of of just peace, honestly. My mom dealt with things in a very gentle manner, much more gentle than I am able to deal with things. And it really helps me because, as you know, like having, I mean, having three under three was, it can send you into a mental asylum, you know, on the free. It was like so many hours of bottles and bedtime and naps every day and Anyway, all that to say, what I'm really working on in our home is just creating the most emotionally stable place they can be. Because I feel like if a child is is secure, feeling really inside, and they feel that they're loved and they're safe, then they can they can travel, they can go out in the world and experience life, and still feel like they have such a root of being at home. So I think that's what that's definitely what my mom did for us. And it's hard; it's so easy to lose our patience and to just you know lose our minds and just want to yell or whatever punished the wrong way and so many different ways that we react. So I've been really working on just trying to make sure that instead of like with my four-year-old, she's the most challenging. So, you know, she would buck up, I would buck up. And then it's like two children out of control with their anger. And I've really been working on the whole walk away, breathe for 30 seconds, just like to stop the madness, to stop it from getting so crazy with, with the little ages. They're all wild and... So I think that's one of the most important things. I think, uh, uh, you know, when children feel 
stable, and they can. I mean, we felt stable through my parents' divorce. There's a way to create that in your home, I think, usually with, with circumstances if we all are kind of working on ourselves and, you know. I feel um, you have such a great energy and confidence about your music and fashion, and you don't seem afraid to try new things, whether it's White's Room and Board, White's Mercantile, continuing the music. What do you think gave you that confidence? I mean, if you kind of look back to your Mm -hmm. childhood or because I kind of look at other adults around me and I think, you know, what's the difference in them and me, you know, and what is it that builds that confidence? And I think today's world, you know, it's it's challenging because everyone's getting a trophy. And, you know, if you want to really, really succeed at a sport, you basically have to play it every month of the year. Mm -hmm. And and I don't necessarily believe in that. But I also I tell my kids that I think they're great, but also they have to believe that themselves. And what what do you think? Where do you think your confidence and came from? You know, I think that I have, I'm, my fearlessness can definitely hurt me in terms of like making crazy last minute decisions that don't work and and, uh, impulsive and all of those things. But sometimes I wonder where my drive comes from because my mom, again, she was not a working mom. She was, she was very loving, very kind, very gentle, but she was never trying to balance really anything except being a mom full time. But my, my grandmother Hank Sr.'s wife, my dad's mom. Her name was Audrey Williams. She started Nashville's first booking agency. She started the first clothing store downtown. She was also a singer. She um, managed my dad for years. And supposedly she just had this, you know, amazing drive. So I think from a business standpoint and, and just loving so many different creative things and wanting to pursue them, maybe that was from her. But I think, you know, I think, again, just... The love. I think when children know that they're deeply loved, whether their parents are traveling all the time or not, it just makes them feel like I can try anything. And my mom wasn't one of those quote moms, meaning I feel like I hear people say, my mom said this to me every single day. And she definitely wasn't quoting confidence or self-esteem, but I felt secure in, you know, in their love. And, and with my dad, he was always very present, and it's amazing the things that people assume because he's St. Junior, and they think he was parting every day of our life. And when we were with him, he always said, I'm not Bocephus, I'm Daddy. We were fishing, we were hunting, we were on the farm, we were whitewater rafting. You know, again, this is before iPhone, so I feel like I got the best of my parents because they were pretty totally not distracted, especially when we were on his farm in Montana. There's no phones. But I, I try to instill, I think that, if children feel like they have a place to go home to, whether that's a mom, whether that's an aunt, whether that's a grandmother, as long as there's someone stable, then hopefully, you know, we can build confidence in our kids and they can try new things. I mean, mom also thinks I'm kind of crazy as everyone else does for all this crazy stuff that I do at once and causes some stress. But I don't know, it's probably a little over the top with the with the try new things. But I think just if, if we feel secure and like we can bounce crazy ideas off people, our loved ones, and they're still going to support us through it. I agree. I feel like it all kind of starts with love, Mm -hmm. just feeling loved deeply. Mm -hmm. And then it just opens up 
the possibilities. Yeah. I mean, even through, we went through a, a long season of marriage counseling and places like onsite and amazing places like that, that work with people. And I learned so much more about, you know, childhood traumas and pain and just things that people overcome. I, I definitely had more of a Pollyanna childhood, to be honest. I was pretty unaware of what some people have to overcome. And I think that all of it, through learning about so many people's stories, it all boiled down to if they had one, it may have been a distant uncle if their parents weren't present, but if they had one person that made them feel secure and grounded and loved and, you know, like they could be anything or do anything, then that can just grow. It's just like a little seed that can grow so big. So beautifully said. So you mentioned your grandmother, Audrey. I know you loved both of your grandmothers dearly and are close, so close with your mom and with two daughters of your own and so close to your sister, Hillary. How are you raising your daughters to honor the women of the past that you respect and admire, but raising them to succeed in today's world where there's so much talk of feminism Mm -hmm. and women empowerment? That was something. Oh Lord, I need to teach them about their um, family history and grandmas, and need to get better about that. Well, I, I know what you're saying. I think that one thing that I would I would like to say because I feel like in our world of Instagram, I feel like some stay at home moms who are friends of mine and single moms, and there's there's such a culture of branding and celebrity. And I have I feel like a lot of times I have moms come to me and say, you know, I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not. I don't have a blog. I'm not a lifestyle brand. I'm not doing enough. I'm like, what are you talking about? My mom would stay at home and that's very important. Like you're working because you love it. You, you know, fell into this and, and I'm saying you, I don't think you thought you'd be running this, but like you said, you love it and you're passionate about it. And I love what I do. And some people don't want to work. They love, you know, painting with their kids all day and being stay at home. And I'm so, I'm just so frustrated with some of the culture that I think is telling women, like you have to you have to be your own celebrity. So for me, I think it's, gosh, that's a hard question, Mary Celeste. I, you know, I think I'm just going to try and teach them that if you want to, to work like crazy and try to build a company, or if you want to live a simple life in a small town, like my mom did and raise babies, that, that it's all okay. You know, you don't have to strive to, to, copy someone or try to reach a certain level of, I want this for money. I want this for fame, but it's like finding what your heart desires. And that's what my dad and grandfather did. And I, I learned a lot about following my passions through them because my music has always been a little bit on the outskirts of country. It's in the Americana world. Country radio doesn't play me because it's, it's too alternative. And then it's just always a little bit on the fringe. And, you know, I spent years traveling in my mom's suburban on the road and and got to really see life in the kind of Jack Kerouac on the roadway and made $300 a night for years and years and years. But I remember telling mom, like, I love this. And if I have to keep working in the makeup counter when I was in my early 20s or whatever, like, this is my passion. So I really want to teach my kids that follow your passion, whatever it is. I mean, my dad was told for years, you'll never be a star. You have to sing your dad's songs. And then he came out and started saying no. And he said half the crowd would leave when he said he's going to sing his own song. And he just stayed with it. And in his mid thirties, he finally, he finally pursued it. Or, you know, someone like Chris Stapleton, who was, was not fitting in the box for years upon years upon years. And then he hits it. So I think for me, I just want to teach my children that following your heart doesn't have to be for the world to see in a celebrity form, or it doesn't have to be a certain thing. It can, it can be 
anywhere in any place with any dream. I agree. I have several friends that have mentioned lately to me that they don't feel like they found found their purpose Mm -hmm. yet one sentence before that they've told me something completely incredible that their child has just done Mm -hmm. and I turn to them and I say you are giving your children the most amazing gift of being a great mother yeah and being a great wife to your husband and I honestly think there's nothing more important right so and on that sorry I have so many comments (laughs) when you say that about the purpose I feel like our generation right now is all about, you know, find your purpose and what are we doing for ourselves and, you know, taking care of yourself, which is all very important. But I think that there's a lot of women who feel like if they're staying at home, then they haven't found their calling. And I'm like, but that's, that's, that has been a calling for thousands of years. I mean, us, you know, women working every day is such a new thing. So I think it's, you know, important for people to hear that and know that like, that's a very important purpose. It's God calling you to be a mother and be present. Exactly. But I also think that women in the workforce are adding such incredible talent, Mm -hmm. perspective, Mm -hmm. and really transforming how companies are run Mm -hmm. and really, I mean, helping our society as a whole so much. I mean, so there's no doubt that I think there's an amazingly important role right. for women in the workforce. I mean, and I'm, I have to say, I'm very proud of how many women are part of the Blackberry team mm-hmm. and in leadership. Right. Personally, I don't look at whether someone's a woman or a man. I right. mean, it's just, it just is, do they fit the role? Right. And right. there's naturally some roles that women can be, better at right maybe because of or but or maybe it's just a woman that's more emotional could be more nurturing in this role right but then there's also women that aren't nurturers right and they're better in another role so right i mean i really think it needs to be about the person and the individual and not about the sex right no i totally agree with that i think you know as you spoke there's just so many more women run companies now and i think that especially I notice when people become moms, sometimes the shifting, I think that they deal with things differently. Like I definitely started dealing with things differently. I feel like with whites when I was a mom versus before, not drastically, but some of the smallest things that when you are coming at it from kind of a mother's heart and just the way things are dealt with differently and, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, I really, really appreciate the black and white men in my life, Mm -hmm. meaning not the color of their skin, but the men that think very right. black and white, because that's not how I think. Right. And so I really, really appreciate their perspective when we're making decisions. Right. And I feel like it's a really important collaboration. Right. So with the logistics of business and kids, I mean, how do you get to do your creative work, whether it's songwriting, designing for one of your properties or curating in your stores Do you set aside time and say, okay, I'm going to let myself be creative for the next few hours? Or is it just that your mind is always flowing with ideas? I kind of think I know the answer to this. No, I'm, it's, it's, and it's, it's both. My mind is always kind of on, which, you know, it's not fun sometimes, but I'm like a nerd with intentional time management at this point. I wasn't like that at 
all growing up at all in my 20s. I mean, just did not even, it did not even cross my mind. And I know we'll talk about it in a second, but when I had an accident with my sister in 2006 and life was almost taken away so quickly, it really shifted my mindset. And I realized something called mortality and things could end and things could change. So, you know, now I plan my nothing, meaning if I'm going to do nothing, I like go, okay, tomorrow from four to six, the kids are going to do, they're they're going to be here and Chris has something at work. So I'm going to, I've got four magazines here that I'm going to read or, and I don't want to sell. We're also very, we're very, I'm very spontaneous um, in terms of let's hop last Thursday morning. It was the last day of summer and I found this little rental in Gulf Shores. I was like, let's hop in the car and go today. Like, let's do it. Like, I think that's the musician part of me just wanted to go and do. But in terms of the time stuff, in fact, when I got to Blackberry, it's like this. And whenever we get to come here, it's going, okay, I'm going to do two hours by the creek, journal for one, eat for two. It's like there's an, you know, you're overwhelmed with what amazing thing to do next. Do I sleep in this heavenly bed? Do I get a massage? But in all that to say, my mind is running crazy, but I try to be intentional. Now I try to at least write down the week on Sundays and have some kind of, some kind of, you know, list and order. I I didn't really do that until I had my second child and I kind of had to. And that really helped me because used to, I had nothing in writing and everything was in my brain and it was kind of crazy. So now it's like, I write Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, So if you kind of say, okay, Thursdays, I'm going to let myself have some freedom to Mm -hmm. be creative. Oh yeah. Can you really just turn it on or, or are you not right? Maybe you're not writing as much. That is different. Now in terms of like, I love interior design. I love, uh, you know, saving old houses. That doesn't really have to. It's just a passion. And I love doing that. For songwriting, I have not had time, like, at all. Now, saying that, it the way that I write, I just, like, literally pray for songs, and God just drops these little ideas in my head. So I have about 120 half songs right now in my voice memo. So probably once a week, I'm throwing in, like, two half songs. But I don't know when in the world I'm going to find the time to go through them. So I think I would love to record an album next spring because it's been six years since the last record. And I've only been doing about eight to 10 shows a year for the last couple of years. So I'm thinking I'm going to take like three days in August. My husband may take the kids to his in-laws and go alone in a hotel room. I've been doing a one, once a year, 24 hours in a hotel room, and it's really kind of changed my life. And usually I'm working, quote unquote, the whole time, but whether it's figuring out kids camps or the week or the year or iPhoto organization or whatever it is, you know, that's been important. So for songwriting, I'm going to have to find the time. I don't know how, but for the stores now, I mean, it was a crazy season. Um, the last four months we did, we opened New Orleans, Charleston, Malibu, and Louisville. And I'm very much a non-procrastinator. I would rather work like three 12 hour days away from the kids and get it done versus two weeks and so I brought them with me to Charleston and I brought them with me to New Orleans with the nanny. We would kind of split off hours and brought the girls down and we would just work crazy long days. And then when it's open, it's like, oh, we can breathe. So I prefer that style of work. You know, I think I love the philosophy of work smarter, not harder, like figure out your hours and work really freaking hard. Like last week I'm going, we're going to Blackberry Farm. So I'm going to like double it up, get it done so I can relax, you know. Well, it's working for you. It's it's really impressive what all you're doing. So 
just kind of shifting gears a little bit, I I know that back when you were a teenager, I think you were a teenager, maybe you were in your young 20s, early 20s, but but you were in a car accident with Hillary, your sister. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that shaped your perspective on life. And I'm, I'm always curious to learn more about how people handle life-altering happenings mm-hmm. and what we can learn from each other in order to be stronger and more authentic to our pain and our growth. Just share a little bit about that with us. Your questions are amazing. You are so beautifully spoken. Um, so we were on the way to my grandfather's funeral, my mom's dad, in Louisiana, and it was uh, it was in March of 2006. So I was 25; she was 27, and she, we were we stopped at a gas station, and I had it was a beautiful day like this. I had my legs out of the car and hanging out, and she said, "Put on your seatbelt," and I was like, "I don't want to put on my seatbelt," and I did, and she literally saved my life. And about a mile later. Um, is when she looked down at the phone to change a, something on the radio. We didn't have texting yet. And just drifted into some gravel. And when we hit the gravel, it was it was really loud. And I screamed, absolutely bloody murder. It just shocked me. And I screamed really loud. And she turned the car and then lost control. And we had a, um, we flipped and ended up kind of landing on its side. And we had these two lovely women come to the car afterwards and a truck driver. And I was totally knocked out. And Hillary um, was kind of hanging by her seatbelt. And, you know, you're not supposed to move a car after an accident, but they they had to move it over because she couldn't breathe. And called the life flights. This lady came up to me and she said, what is a phone number of a family member? And I was saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm I'm in a dream. I need you to wake me up because we've got to get to my grandfather's funeral. She's like, you've been in a horrible accident and we need to get like your mom on the phone. And I was, I mean, I had no idea what she was talking about. And it was interesting that t- to know like how God designed our bodies, like you're it, as a protection, you're in shock, you know, and mental shock. And anyway, so they got to the scene. My sister was pronounced dead at the scene and she was revived about three minutes later. And she had a pretty amazing experience in heaven And whether you believe in that or not, her story is pretty incredible. She said that the second we hit impact in the car that she was lifted above and watched from above and then just went into this beautiful place with colors that are indescribable and music that's indescribable and saw my grandparents, Hank Sr. and Audrey, and my dad's music manager, who was a very, very, very close family member. And she talked to them for a little bit and and my aunt my grandmother said it's not your time honey it's not your time and she said she she turned around and, and was just in this intense pain and darkness and woke back up on the on the life flight and through that week they never thought that she would make it through i was more kind of blood and gore but not internal injuries but hillary had just extensive internal injuries and we almost lost her again 3 days later and that's when we found out about her experience because she wrote on a note. She couldn't she couldn't talk and she wrote on a note. Audrey was wearing a, a navy and white polka dot dress. I saw Audrey and Hank and telling us in detail and the the ER doctors were like, This is this is the world we operate in every day up here in the in the um in the ICU. So she had a, a long, hard, hard road. She had um over thirty surgeries. She 
looks beautiful still. Um, and you know, a lot of internal injuries, a lot of scarring, but she, she could walk about for good about a year and a half later. My mother, the saint of all saints. I mean, it was like having a newborn again, literally we had to do everything for her. So she took amazing care of her and I was doing what I could. And I didn't know if I'd ever play music again. My right arm was pretty messed up and we had to cancel quite a few tours. So Anyway, long story short, she has released a book called Sign of Life by Hillary Williams and released an album called My Lucky Scars. It was a, a very long recovery process for her, and she's come out just amazing with such strength and, and a beautiful story. And that, for me, was what first got my wheels spinning for something besides music. I didn't want to be away from them, and it was um, there was a lot of care between my mom and dad and sister. So at the time, Nashville was not hip and cool like it is now. And I felt that they needed some some new shopping. So I worked forever on business plans and tried to find investors to get the the clothing store up and running. And that's kind of where that, that retail bug started. But overall, it was it was really wild to go through that at such a young age because obviously all 25-year-olds think they're absolutely invincible. And I didn't know until the second day that it was real. I kept telling everyone that came in that I was in a dream. And I remember my dad was sobbing next to my bedside and they wouldn't let me look in a mirror. And I looked very scary. And on day two, they let me look. And I remember looking and I couldn't, I couldn't see myself because I didn't look like myself at all. My head was huge. I had all these bandages. And, and I was like, wait, where am I? I remember saying like, where am I? And I was watching the news on CNN at the bottom. It said, Hillary and Holly Williams are in ICU in Memphis after this horrible car wreck. And that was the first moment I remember looking at the TV and I looked at my phone, which was blowing up tons of messages. And I was like, wait, this is real. Like we are in a hospital. What? And then I started asking people questions and it was just so crazy how, how my brain didn't process it. But going through something like that at a young age was just incredibly eye opening. I mean, I'm not saying it very eloquently right now, but you just think nothing will ever happen to you that you have all the time in the world you know, I was your average young 20-year-old finding my way in life, you know, staying up late, partying, just hanging out, just working at a makeup store and doing music when I could and never dreamed that anything could be cut short. We did not have any tragic deaths in our family. Um, my grandparents died at a, a very old age, pretty healthy, and I just had never really had any experience with with dying or with the fear of it or anything. So it really, it really brought us together so much closer as a family. We always were close, but just when you go through something like that, and my dad went through a terrible accident in 1975, they never thought he would come out of. And for him to be there by my sister, so much helping her by our bedside and and just being there, it just really tightened our family unit. And that's when I was going, okay, I want to figure out speaking of purpose, what is my purpose? What do I love doing? I want to, I still wanted to be leisurely, but just, just make decisions in life and just feel like I want to work towards something that I love and I want to figure it out and, you know, make the most of things. So it was very powerful. I've read her book. It's very moving. Mm -hmm. And y'all's story is really incredible. It's really, really incredible. And And I I probably just sisters and a brother and I just felt reading it. I just kind of thought, what if this was us? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I can see why it really tightened 
your bond, even though you're yeah. already really close. Yeah. And I probably just really botched her story to anyone listening. So a few of the details, but yeah, to watch a sibling go through that, especially at that age, you know, we were in our twenties and traveling and figuring out work and she was working on her music at the time and everything just kind of stopped for her. And she went through such an unbelievable amount of, of suffering and pain. And so many times after would be sobbing going, why am I here? I want to go back to heaven. Like, why did Jesus bring you back here? I want to die again. Cause she was, I mean, it was horrible what the things that she, that she went through, but you know, she, she stayed here and, and um, it, it just, opened everyone's eyes in so many ways. As, as you know, when anything tragic happens, it shifts things in such a, in such a powerful, sometimes devastating way. But we, um, we just all valued things differently after that. So on that note, how has your faith or spirituality influenced how you faced? I mean, it sounds like, and I, I know this already, so... I'm kind of cheating because I already know you well. But it seems like you have a really strong faith. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, you mentioned doing some work on your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, you incorporate your faith into your mothering, your relationships? You know, right. what role does that play for you? Or how has it influenced how you've handled just challenging times for you? Well, you know, again, growing up in the home we were in, we were with a, a, a mom who was a very strong Christian, but we were never around the side of Christianity that was about judgments and um, rules and shame. We were around a very grace-filled, loving mother. When she decided to leave my dad, he was not able to be the husband that she needed at the time, and he was unexpectedly suddenly very famous, and it was not working for their marriage. And so she, even now looking back, um, the way that she handled that is mind-blowing to me, honestly. Like if if my husband decided to do those things when I had two young kids and they were separated, I would probably lose my mental sanity. But she had just the fruits of the Spirit, I think I want to say, so deeply embedded in her. And she grew up going to church on Sundays and kind of doing what we do in the South. But she really said she had her her real experience with God when she was in her early 30s through a friend of hers, Jesse Coulter, who was Waylon Jennings' wife. And she embedded in us just, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and one other I think I'm missing. Is kindness Kindness, one? thank you very much. And it wasn't preached at our house. It wasn't a daily thing, but it's the way that I saw her handling things. And and my dad also, the way he was handling it, there was so many kids feel caught in the middle of that. And they both decided that, you know, we may have our own stuff, but we are going to not teach them that they have to choose parents and choose who they're going to love. And so we we grew up in the church and we grew up with the the kind side of of religion and, and spirituality. And we we were more um, implemented with you know, God is with you and He loves you and He is on your side. And whatever trials that you go through, He is going to lead you through them. But not as much, you're not allowed to, you know, a myriad of things. You're not allowed to get divorced. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. It was more like sometimes we're all faced with things we never thought we would be faced with. And that whatever challenges come our way, we can trust that He is a loving God and He is walking us through. And she just taught me so much about 
prayer and trusting, you know, my inner voice and just anything that comes my way, the way that I handle things has really uh, been brought to me, I think, through her. Anything stressful in her life, she would just say, you know, that door closed and I feel like it closed for a reason. I'm going to look for the next one that opens. And in the littlest things, if I'm in traffic now, I can remember her saying, well, maybe, you know, we're supposed to be here to keep us from something else happening or just, I think, Overall, she just had such an attitude of this is where the Lord wants me now in her in her darkest of times. I mean, she had a really challenging time. You know, she was a single mom and um, they were split and she never dreamed that she would be single. And, and um, you know, even now, I think she you just don't think you're going to be alone for this much of your life. And she's just handled it with such grace and such trust that. This is, this is what has happened, and she's going to handle it gracefully and with love instead of bitterness. And that's something that in, in the workforce, as you know, we deal with so many emotions. And I think one of the biggest things from running White's Mercantile, and maybe you experienced this, is just we are kind of like psychologists when you're running a business. And you have to make sure that, you know, resentment hopefully stays out of the company within reason and bitterness and just employee drama and all these things. So she's really helped me learn how to how to deal with things from just an aerial view versus this is really stressful right now and someone flipping out and what are we going to do? But just um trying to deal with things in in kind ways, but you can still have boundaries and you can still make rules and you can still say no when you need to, but just um you know, the way that you you deal with things. I love y'all's relationship. That's a really long it's story. Really, it's really beautiful to see and hear about growing up, but then also to see how important y'all are to each other right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I couldn't, she is literally the world's greatest accountant. And she, like in the beginning, she went, honey, I'll just, I'll just work for free for a little bit. She was so essential to all of this, all of this happening. Well, I think that brings up a good point for me is that it's amazing when you have the right people around you, mm-hmm. whether they're family, friends, mm-hmm. or, you know, someone that you've hired that becomes like a family mm-hmm. or a friend, um, that it's, it enables you to do so much more. Yes. And even if it's just the simplicity of knowing how to, co- y'all have so much history mm-hmm. and experience mm-hmm. that you can communicate so effectively. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it sounds like not only is she so supportive of you personally and as your mother, but you can trust her and being right. able to trust someone with an important role in right. your business is so huge yeah. and allows you to really focus on the areas mm-hmm. that so on that note, and then we're going to have to wrap it up at some in a few minutes. But so I love hearing you say that you partnered with someone, you brought in a business partner for whites. And um, so how have you kind of decided like, okay, these are the things I'm going to let go of because mm-hmm. I know delegating mm-hmm. is can be a challenge, especially when you've started something from scratch right. and been working kind of wearing all the hats. Mm-hmm. But with uh, growing a business, you know, what are the things, how did you decide like, okay, these are the things that I'm going to let go of and hand over to someone else. And these are the things that I really need to keep focusing on. Right. Well, I got really lucky because I, I was not looking for a business partner, nor did I know that really 
there was anyone out there who would kind of fit this role because it was just everything that I did was was such it was very personal like I loved the buying part I love curating I love the designing the stores and and that's such a a big part of retail so anyway um a lady named Jessica Derrick who was a big part of Garden and Gun for years among other things sent me a few emails just said I'll be in Nashville I love what you're doing I've been following your story like let's grab coffee and we grabbed coffee just as kind of a friend to a friend and met her and got to know her and within 45 minutes it's like uh, hold on wait what do you do who do you work for how do you like come with me for the rest of my life you know sometimes this has happened to me two other times in work we meet people and it's just it's kind of like when a man and woman meet and they know this is the thing like we met and it was like we are soul sisters in uh, on in these philosophies and you know the things that we believe about work and passions and she had done a lot of research and so long stories she came to Nashville and spent three days with me kind of learning the ins and outs of everything and I was like here's the accounting here's the insurance here's how many employees here's all the stores I want to open and she was looking at me like I was insane because I was like you know I want to try to open like four or five next year and I'm going to try to get like two or three different bank loans because no bank would give me all that at once and the the growth of whites was very much like starting a new business because it's not like we had all this money sitting in our account from the Nashville stores to open we took out new business loans and kind of and kind of built that so she came on and and she just naturally we haven't even signed anything yet but after a few months I'm like I can't live without you and you need to come with us more full time so one of the biggest things in the very beginning I would always be I was the only person that I had to talk to about like high level decisions me, myself, and I. My, our accountants were very good on keeping up with the books and bills paid, but they didn't know anything about growing retail or, you know, what common payroll raises are, just so many things that come along with it. So we spent three days going through every single aspect. And I said, I love the marketing. I love branding. I love customer relations. I love curating. I love all things creative. And I do not like insurance. I do not like you know, asking people how many paid time off days they've taken. Just, we just split it up. And I was like, can you handle these things? I want nothing to do with these. Meaning yeah, she, right. she informs me, we make decisions. And she had a, lo- a long history of um, all kinds of different things, budgeting and editorial. And so she was able to just bring so much knowledge to the table. Because most of my friends in Nashville, they may own, you know, whatever, a, a couple shoe stores, or I knew some people that were crazy high level with like 50 stores, but I was kind of in this smaller, smaller growth. So anyway, I think it's just about finding someone who, you know, the ways that I was weak, I mean, thank God she took over our insurance, because it was a disaster. I mean, I was ruining a lot of things for just trying to wear every single hat. So it's about, you know, I was trying to identify my strengths, identify my weaknesses, let her take on everything she could. And I know you have people like this, then just the littlest things like an employee flying to another store to cover for the weekend used to, I would have to get on Southwest and get on hotels.com and book the rental car and right. gather the receipts and yeah. all the logistics. So her and I just divide and conquer each day. And my store managers um, at every store are incredible and have been to the ones in Nashville have been me for six years So we all just kind of have the motto of when in doubt, figure it out. And so much of it is that from finding the right packaging to everything, just so many little logistics that you guys deal with here so much. And so I've I've found a great team of women who have that philosophy and 
Some days we're all sweating and taking out trash and some days we're having some fancy customer luncheon. But I think for me, it was about finding people who are willing to do the, the, the dirty stuff and the fun stuff, you know. It seems like you've built a really amazing team. Congratulations on everything you're doing. And most importantly, I love seeing your family here. You, you. Chris, and your girls. I'm sorry, little guy's not here. I know. I felt so bad. But I also also do believe that it's it's good to change the dynamic a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you leave one behind. Yes. So you can focus on the others. And yes. But I just love seeing your family here. Thank you. Well, we're in heaven. I like what you said about the dynamic because when it's one or two, I feel like we get more of the focus time. And obviously for anyone who hasn't been here, it's an, I mean, it's a dream for adults, but it's also a, a magical dream for children. And my four-year-old's talking about, well, are we going back to Blackberry Farm? She's been saying it for two years and it's just, you've created heaven. So thank you so much for having us. And Well, thank you magical. for talking to me today and We're excited about tonight. Holly's going to play at Bramble Hall. And I'm just so happy you're here. I'm so happy. Thank Thank you, you. Holly. Thank you for listening to the Blackberry Podcast. Continue following the journey wherever you subscribe. Thank you to our guests, interviewers, and audience. Dive into more stories, videos, photos, and podcast episodes on blackberryfarm.com and blackberrymountain.com. Make a great day.